I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. We're here again for another Wise Men Say. We're in association with the Love Supreme now, in case you forgot about that. There's QPR tonight on the agenda, as well as some gauging levels of success, stroke, failure in the transfer market. To do that with myself, Stephen Goldsmith, and Gareth Barker, who's over there and never gets to introduce himself, is journalist Graham Anderson, freelance now, of course, formerly of the Sunderland Echo. How's the new freelance life working out for you, Graham? Loving it. Jobs are so 20th century. Joblessness is the way forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're looking nice and tan. You look better for it anyway, so I don't know if that's booking the trend or what. No, I mean, I mean, I mean I'm enjoying the uh, the break from it. It's such a, I mean, I, I tell you what I didn't miss. I didn't miss transfer deadline day. That's a, the collective madness of everybody sort of, you know, obsessing about every, every you know, nip and tuck of the transfer window. I didn't know why people just... Don't and that's wait. amplified because of Twitter now and social media. Oh, that's incredible. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. And, uh, I mean, I, I call from Chris Young at the Echoes I, I felt sorry for him having to go through it like all the journalists have to go through it but it's just it's so intense for certain matters of people but for the outside world mm-hmm. they just come home and switch the television on 11 o'clock and wherever it is and see what happened I did promise myself I'd do that but I didn't you can't help you can't help tune in and watch <laughs> Jim White's head explode with uh, excitement can you will one day <laughs> I know um, we also have Luke Bowley here from Rocker Report he's going to provide you the listener with unlimited amounts of comedy no doubt we all, I always amounts. put this on you, Luke. Whenever you I come know, on. It, well, the few times I've been on, yes, and limited well, that amounts. means you should, you know, you should be prepared by now. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I, I, I can come up. I, I could have come uh, up with something. We'll keep me to set up the can, the cans laughter for you when you come in, and <laughs> a little one liner so we can just like play that out. But you know, we never get ready. Yeah, well, anyway. someone, someone, you got to find someone to laugh at them. So <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Now, I wasn't at the game, and I didn't watch it in any shape or form. So I'm expecting extra levels of insight from people. Here tonight, basically, you know, what I'm trying to say is you're all going to bail me out. Uh, I did manage to catch the back end of it on goals on Sunday, but they only showed a little bit of a montage and they ran out of time to analyse anyway. What I'm glad I did do a little bit of research today, Gareth, because I was going to start by saying what happened to preparing to play Manchester United, who play three centre-halves in QPR. What happened to that? Did we not manage to pull their three centre-halves out of shape? And then I found out that they actually reverted to four at the back, so I'm glad I... I did do a little bit of research today, so do you think that's just through? Do you think that's just thrown Sunderland or what? Uh, no, I don't think that was Not an as issue. simplistic as that. No, because we I thought we were absolutely dominated for the first thirty minutes. Um, we could have been one 0 up within thirty seconds, um, and then you know QBR had that shot against the bar. I think that gave them some momentum, and then they got back into it and scored. And then I think second half we dominated possession but couldn't break them down. So who 
was playing centre half for QBR, was it? Corker and Ferdinand. Right, okay. So there's still a bit of a lack of pace there, isn't there? Um so Will Buckley will be surprised to see him on the bench considering, you know, the problems he caused Man United with his pace and directness? A little bit maybe, yeah. But Johnson was probably the pick of the Sunderland players, I thought, the first half an hour. Um, he was sort of drifting about, wasn't he? Sort of almost in a free roll, and he was sort of getting, he was picking the ball up with centre halves at times, and sort of spraying it around. And he looked really good. Um, he he played an absolute peach of a ball to Fletcher. I think it was Fletcher in the first half to create the chance when uh, Green saved. Yeah, yeah, he just sort of tipped it wide, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It, it just didn't. It was one of those things. I think they just didn't capitalise on the. Mm. I think I think going forward, I know we're talking about the QBR game at the moment, but going forward, quite a few people would perhaps quite like to see Buckley and Johnson playing the same team. Now that we haven't got that left-sided uh, player that you know in Barini that hope the point was hoping to get, um, might be an interesting experiment to have Buckley on the right and Johnson on the left. I thought he would left. do that at QBR to be honest, and you know because it was a clamour for Wickham to go up front, wasn't there? Um, well, B- Buckley was man of the match for me against Man United. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I was really, really impressed by him, and I know Johnson has to come back in. But you think well? Did he have to come back in, or do you think it's, it's given the kick up the backside? Maybe he needed. Not right. that he necessarily. You might not think he needed a kick up the backside, but well, if somebody comes in who plays in your position and he, he plays that well on his debut. It's yeah. got an impact, hasn't it? It's sort of, you know, if it was a like for if it was a, a like for like, then you know Buckley was unlucky because um, uh, he, he played so well. But Johnson from January Player of the Month about his Player, player of the Month. In his view, he's played the best four or five months of football of his of his Premier League career in, in those four or five months. So, um, and obviously, Poyet's seen a lot of him is impressed by him. So, I think he had to come back. He's a main man. He had to come back. And, and I think there's a pecking order for the moment in Sunderland. I think Poyet might well be itching to get Pantillamon in the side, but Manoni's player of the season. He deserves that place at the moment. Yeah. Johnson was ill last week, so he got a chance to put Buckley in, but he feels as though he had to put Johnson back in. And then the big debate about Fletcher up front, he probably feels Fletcher's the senior guy, so he's got to start with him and at least give him a chance. Well, we're going to keep coming back round in circles, aren't we? And it's going to come down to Fletcher again every week because he's he's, he's not delivering a look at the minute, is he? We're being, if we're being frank about it. No, he isn't. He, he just doesn't seem to fit into that system. And we've, I think we've said it before, and you guys have said it before in this podcast, that he he is at Wolves, he played in the two-man, and that was when he was at his best... Uh, Burnley, I think he possibly played in the two man as well and scored twelve goals in his first se- uh, eight goals in his first season. Apologies. Um, perhaps I'm wrong. Did he play up front by himself against Burnley, or was it as a two? For Burnley. For, For Burnley. Burnley. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was half of one and a half. Doesn't he? Sometimes he did. Sometimes he didn't. Nah. And suddenly he says he, he's quite happy to play the the, the one. Uh, well, he's going to say that. He, that up front. he wants to play, doesn't he? he? He did have some success when he first started in, in that in that yeah. role, but then also Sessegnon was. Feeding them the balls in all the time, yeah. wasn't he? Sessegnon was more like a forward, wasn't he? It was, it, it wasn't kind of like a three-man midfield. Now yeah, he was like withdrawn. Yeah. yeah, we were very much playing to his strengths as well, and we had the wingers in Johnson and McLean. Who was it was uh, it was an, wing, he was an ideal player. Yeah, yeah. he's an get all, at the byline, put the ball in. Yeah. He was an ideal or Martin O'Neill striker, I think. Whereas yeah. for Poyet, where I guess he's required to come deeper to get the ball at times and. And, and play the ball. It, it's it's sort of it, it's just difficult for him to find the space, especially when we were not really playing with a creative midfielder. We need someone who can make those runs. And Fletcher doesn't seem to be finding the, the, that space. He had a decent pre-season. He looked sharp in, in pre-season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back okay. thought, yeah. but I just think in the Premier League, you're just lacking that bit of, bit of confidence. You could just do the ball drop into him, and he'd be a different player. To be fair, was he improved on? on I the thought weekend, he was. Guys? That was his best performance of the season. Was actually, it? the weekend, I thought Pete were being really harsh on him, um, and that we've been critical. And there's been articles on the website and stuff, sort of specifically about the situation with Fletcher and how 
you know, to be fair to him, it doesn't really look like his game, like we've just said, but I thought he played all right. His movement was a lot better. Um, he took up some good areas. Um, confidence on the final ball, so I think he had a good chance sort of in the first half where he got sort of down the left channel and he could have just cut it back the edge of the box. Larson was in acres of space and he tried to whip it across through a load of defenders and he was never going to get in and stuff, so... It just, is, we, we get just a confidence now, I think. We, well, we, we, you know, nearly there isn't quite good enough though isn't it and you, you, it will be hard to imagine that there isn't going to be a reshuffle around those areas now as Graham's just said the forward left, the left forward player didn't come in um, can anybody really see Wickham not getting, not getting moved to that position mm. I think Wickham has to go back up top and as Graham said, then you've got options like Buckley and Johnson. Jackarini. Jackarini as well. Mm. Looks good. Did he play well when he came on again? Jackarini, I saw, again, I saw the chance he had, or yeah. the long range shot at the end, and nice positive player, wasn't it? Trying to trying to do something, trying to rescue us. He's bright when he comes on, isn't he? I think if he could, if he can do that from the start, then he's a massive asset. He looks a lot more comfortable now than he did last season. He looks a bit more physically, you know, fit for the Premier League, maybe. Well, Point likes him. Quite likes him, and I think so. I think when he first came in, he, he was a bit unconvinced, but over the summer, he really come to like him now. So he's, he's very much part of his plan. So I think he's, I think he's kind of here to stay. Um, going back to what you were saying about Fletcher, I think it's a cliche managers love to talk about not getting much time in the Premier League and that sort of stuff, and not much getting, you know, not much patience at this level. I just think there's a, there's a hunger among Sunderland fans at the moment to see Sunderland hit the ground running, and Fletcher's kind of the guy who's who's getting the, the butt of it at the moment simply because. Not scoring goals in the way they would like, and also Wickham did so well towards the end of last mm. season. We, from the outside, um, and when you're freelance, you're much more on the outside. But when you're on the outside, you're kind of thinking, surely this is a no-brainer. Surely you go Wickham up front because he's the guy who finished so strongly last season. In this system, he's more naturally suited yeah. as the lone striker. But um, you've just got to go with the manager what he, what he thinks. I think initially, and he's obviously wanting Fletcher to get his chance. It's as if he's, he's sort of rooting for him, isn't it? And he's 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 hoping he's going to come good. But you know, in the Premier League, you keep. You keep going games and you're drawing or losing. It's going to come to a point where he's going to have to make a decision. On yeah, that. I, th- I think he thinks that Fletcher is his most natural goal scorer, so he wants him in the side. And the only place he can play him is up front, and he doesn't want to go too up front. So that means Wickham's got, he's got to play Wickham, so Wickham goes on the wing. So it's a compromised situation at the moment. But we saw that last season. We saw him shuffle the pack so many times until he got it right. I just think the question is, does he change it for his next game? Or does he persist for one more game and give Fletcher that last chance? It seems a bit strange, don't you? Last chance, three mm-hmm. or four games in, but uh, Sunderland need to score goals. Yeah, and you mentioned Jack Arena coming back there, Gareth, and I guess it's interesting as, as to whether he would take up that left role or even play in midfield. I guess it's a, it's a nice problem to have when you mm-hmm. have these players. You're not sure quite where to play them, but I think what I've noticed with him is he's trying to influence games now. You feel? I know Christian and Edge came on last year and he called him an English James Milner. He said to be fair, he's in a very good Juventus team. But he doesn't stand out. He just fits in. He's that. He's that mm. guy. And I think last season we could see that he was struggling with the um, adapting of, you know, being from going from being in a great team and just you know, fitting in to coming to a team who isn't so great and having to be that standout player. He's taking responsibility. Mm. I think that's what I'm driving at. Yeah, I think as well. If you look at it, you know, I don't want to get too bogged down in statistics, but if you look at his contributions in, you know, positive. Key positive areas like goals and assists. What he, what he, how many goals he scored last season? Five, promote um, and play. Decent, uh, you, you, decent return in the end. Yeah, it was it? something. It was it was probably about five. Um, and he, he, he had that one against. Well, he scored against Arsenal. Scored against Cardiff. Early on against Liverpool, Southampton, Peter in the cup. So there's there's five off the top of my head. 
He's created chance, created goals. Um, is it the front left for you, or do you think he could drop into the midfield? I think. I, think, I mean, he couldn't. He could drop in the midfield, but in your opinion, I think um, I'd try him at that front left. Is sort of up for grabs, I think, in a way. Um, I think Buckley. I think like Graham's right. What he's saying about Buckley, where it would be nice to see him from that right, but I think he likes that. In, like I think Buckley really is he a left, like an inverted left. Forward. He'd always play in the right of Brighton, hadn't yeah, he? Exactly. Um, but I mean, I guess Johnson's played both. That's the thing, you know. We yeah. don't know which way Poyd's going to go, and I guess you know he'd be thinking about that a lot. The fluidity that you'd get from having, say, Johnson and Jackarini the side of a big striker, be great. You know. Did I you think. see the stats going about on Twitter? I didn't. I didn't check to see they're accurate or not. The um, Jackarini and Wickham played eighty minutes together last year, and Wickham scored four goals, all assisted by Jackarini <laughs> really? in that time. Well, there you go. I know. They will do link up quite well. I'm going to put that a on the way, but I, I, want, I wanted somebody to research it for me because I could be bothered doing yeah, it myself so I, and see well, if that was accurate or not. He definitely set two. He definitely set two up in the Cardiff game for him, didn't he? And he set up the, he set up two for him in the, the Man City game. Man City so game. It seems right, then, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. So somebody should present that stat to Gus, and I'm going to try it a little. <laughs> I don't know if I'm actually if, I've, if yeah. I'm on duty or not next week. But I think Jack, Jack Rooney's like almost. You know, that cliche is like he's almost like a new signing in a way, and you kind of you kind of get that feeling with him. I, I don't know. He's like he's got a bit, first season out of the way. Have he? Bit like, like Aldor as well. Like League. so, so often players come and go in 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 the season. You know, like players who haven't maybe had a good season, and then you see them sort of kick on. Um, and like Aldor's look bright when he's when he's been involved um, on the rare occasion he has. Um, Jack Rainey's look bright. You know, maybe that that was a, a was a positive from the week, and I thought the bench was really strong. And you had the options to change it. You had Buckley, had the door, Jackarini. You could bring him on. Um, and now we've got Alvarez has come in. There's another option in those areas. Um, mm. So back in the Italy squad as well, Jackarini. Can you remember Sunderland squad, Graham? Full of internationals like this one. We should be, you know, we shouldn't be struggling, should we? Well, I mean, twenty We're a cultured side now with all these internationals <laughs> in our midfield. Twenty odd years ago, when the McBooks era, if, <laughs> if you signed an England uh, as an international B player, it was pretty yeah. impressive, <laughs> like you know. Uh, but Jacciarini, I think Jacciarini's best position is is a floating role mm. out on the left and drifting in. I think he's very hard. You can see the obvious difficulty. He's he's titchy. <laughs> and he's, he's titchy, which is not great for the English Premier League. Even though he's, he's not frail, but he's titchy, and he's not, he's he's got speed, but he's not got fantastic speed. He's just hard to fit into a, into the puzzle. Um, and he, I think, he thinks his best position is that kind of free role where he can cause havoc. And when you mention Wickham, I think it's, it's it's a good thing about the partnership is that Wickham's kind of a bull in the china shop. He just goes where he wants to, and Jack Green is excellent at picking out a pass. And so I think that if he gets that free role, that's great. It's just it's not easy to give a player that free role no. in, in the Premier League. No, it's certainly not. Well, depending on how your midfielders perform. So, getting to that, was there a marked improvement again from Jack Rodwell, Luke, of the weekend? Again, I didn't watch the game, but there was certainly the the trajectory looked good from the first game to the Man United game. Did that continue, or did he have a little bit of a quiet one again? Uh, it was quiet, but I actually thought he he did okay. But I, I'm still not sure what type of player we were expecting him to be. I think. I would assume that eventually we want to try and push him into this sort of box to box type player. The kind we saw in That's what he promised yeah, and that's what Poyet said. The times we saw in Spades against uh against uh at Everton. I, I remember his goal against Manchester United, which is a where he sort of announced himself, which is a prime yeah. example of what we want him to do. 
Yeah, well, he had a chance as well in the, in the first half, didn't he? Corner was an out, an, in, an outswinger from the other side. It was very yeah. similar, and yeah. uh, he just headed it wide. But yeah. it was very similar. Sort Getting of himself move. in the right positions at least, then if you're clutching at straws, yeah. I guess. And I he, thought he did all right. But I mean, I get, talk, get back to the you know sort of links up with what we're saying about Fletcher. Um, that it's all well and good saying, oh, he will come good in games. He will come good in games. He's improving game by game. Jack Rodwell, Graham, but eventually. He came here to be the player we built our side around. Eventually, he is going to have to start taking these games by the scruff of the neck as well. Well, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't be entirely. Uh, I hope people aren't being too impatient with him. Mm. Um, no, no. I mean, no, when, no, when, no. when when Conor Wickham first joined, I remember interviewing Martin Stewart and said, "Well, I hope people don't expect anything from him for two or three years." And I was like, two or three years? <laughs> two or three weeks to get in Sunderland?" Yeah. But the point is, is that it was a good point because Steve Bruce made that point about Wickham when he signed him, saying he's a very unusual player for Sunderland to sign because Sunderland always sign players who have to come good straight away. He said, "We're trying to be a big club here. We're signing someone for literally two or three years down the line, which Sunderland don't do." Mm. And both Bruce and Wick and uh, Stewart I think have been proven right about that. Obviously. Robwell's a different kettle of fish in terms of the fact he's played for England. He's he's, he's there already, but I do think that having had a little football for for a couple of years, yeah, it's going to take probably mo- months rather than weeks for him to get up just to proper speed. And I think that's what Bruce, uh, what, what Poit is trying to do is try to play him an hour here and an hour there, and just literally build that up. So you again, know, but again, as I've said, it's relating to the the Fletcher scenario where there's only so far you can do that if you're not winning games you need to start picking teams to win games don't you and yeah. I'm not by the way I did, I said, I did watch the QBR game I'm, this is not me trying to sort of criticise Jack Rod- Rodwell unnecessarily I'm just sort of making the point that you know yeah. eventually these players start need to start standing up, uh, stepping up to the player yeah I think where someone unlucky is they've just signed Alvarez as well so actually when you look at the midfield options they're not re- they're not solely reliant on on Robert to, to turn the magic on. There's plenty of other players who there so who can hopefully perform. So I do think that he will have time. Um, I don't. I mean, he's a very exciting player. He could be a really big player for someone round about Christmas time when he gets into his stride. But I think there are other players who can take that burden off him in terms of scoring or, or, or winning games. Mm, I guess I'm just disappointed, Gareth. Again, uh, talking blindly regarding. Uh, the match on Saturday that you know we've been sort of lauding this midfield three we've gotten saying they're clicking into place and they look good and QPR started so poorly and everybody was saying how against Holland against Tottenham their midfield looks so poor it's a midfield with Joy Barton in I'm not sure if that's a personal thing or or whether I don't rate him or not but yeah I just think you know it's disappointing that you know we would lose a game to a side with that midfield so well, I guess I mean, I'm being hypercritical Phil, I think Fur had a good game um, he was probably their best player Um it was just that, you know, ten minutes really yeah. had the other spell, and then didn't defend the set piece properly, and then you you you're up it's up Bill Battle, and then they just basically sat in and stopped us, and it's difficult, isn't it? The breakdown. Can all sort of slip out of his yeah. old ego role and I go back he, into super villain? Okay. It was you know reports I read he was he was pretty he was pretty you know his normal self for about. 75 minutes of the game but that 15 minutes before half time he did sort of lose his uh, sort of discipline he, w- he went in for a tackle for a booking uh, who did he get the booking for the challenge on was it I can't remember uh, I don't remember but two minutes later he then puts in another challenge yeah. and you think oh, oh, oh right after he's starting to get some good attention he's going to actually go out and get a two yellow cards mm. which would have been, been that would have been I, I, I would have been, been yeah. I would have looked I, that would have made me warm to him even more somehow because like the idea that you know oh, he hasn't changed after all but um, <laughs> no he, he, he picked himself up in second half he, uh, he was perfectly oh, he was he, perfectly fine they were trying to get him sent off though they were much kicking game, him. Wasn't it? Much, he did a card uh, of last year as well. Much there was some um, like some of the stuff they were getting away with was ridiculous, and 
like there was like much actually got booked and then he he dived to try and get Catamore sent off like in the middle like he was he was running through the middle much not to pass Catamore and just went like Catamore pulled out a challenge and he and did dived, give he dived. no he gave nothing so he didn't let it go he didn't, book him. didn't book well he'd already been booked once yeah, so, so he, he would have had to send, yeah. stop it and, and send him off but it was definitely so a dive it. Oh, it was definitely a dive but he's, and that's it's even worse because he's he's trying to get him he's diving because he wants to get him booked and sent off and you know that I mean Dutch I would I would argue that people talk about diving and punishments for diving well if you're going to die for that instance, then you should get sent off. Yeah, so that's the worst type of dive that is. I mean, yeah. so we saw Ashley Young diving in the box against Man United, um, in the Man United game, and that's that's reprehensible. But you almost under—if yeah. you want to be cynical—you almost understand that gamesmanship. They're trying mm-hmm. to win a penalty, but actually trying to get a fellow professional yeah. sent off is that's the lowest. Yeah. Uh, and we saw much wine cut them all up for Cardiff yeah. last season as well. It didn't. didn't. I mean, in the end, it didn't work. I, I don't really think I much. Had, well, didn't have much of an impact on the game. Foot fair was their best putting it. Well, he did, I mean, they did. I mean, they weren't that great. They just defended. Um, and like we had a couple of chances. Virginia had a good effort. Um, Rodwell had a reasonable shot from the edge of the box. I mean, we didn't create anything clear cut. But if if there's one thing that Redknapp's done well at QPR, and Lord knows he hasn't done a great deal right at QPR, he but he has set up their defence very well. And if it's, and as soon as they went to go up, I thought mm, this could be a difficult second half for us, and uh, yeah. it proved to be. And we fought hard, but it, we just didn't really have the quality to break them down. Okay, you mentioned Virginia there, Gareth. How were the um, the fullbacks generally then? Because something as we've all acknowledged is our fullbacks are going to play an important part this season, getting forward, They're almost like wing backs at times. But the way the way Gus sets up and then Catamore drops back to sort of make it like a back three. Now Van Arnholt again been improving every game. He's played. How he and Virginie? How were how were the levels of marauding? I thought um, Van Aanholt was good, um, and he should have scored after thirty seconds, without a doubt. Um, he got. I think it was Wickham who put him in, and or Wickham went down the left and put it into him, and he sort of snatched at it, and he should have scored at the side net. And he had another bit of a rash effort over the bar midway through the first half. Thought he was good. Uh, Virginie limited going forward, but again. I think defensively, I, you know, we didn't do a lot. I just felt it was one of those. It was frustrating. I wasn't too despondent that we'd lost. It's disappointing, obviously, but they did all right. Like away from home in the Premier League, they just lacked a bit of cutting edge. Went to sleep on a corner, mm. and that's it. Game over. And I guess you know, if we're going to clutch at straws, the same three six fixtures last year. We obviously we didn't play QPR, but. I think that was right. Uh, Norwich, for example, yeah, it went down. Went, yes. We picked up zero points from those three games last season. Mm. That is clutching the straws, but you never know. <laughs> if you can, no, but if you keep on that, you know, if you keep on that, I mean, Sunderland, I said before the QPR game, Sunderland Graham would have found a way last season to lose that game at West Brom and the Manchester United one. They would have found a way to lose those games. Yeah, I mean, the signaling thing from a Sunderland point of view is Sunderland tempt you to dare to dream. And like, sort of, you're thinking to yourself, you know what? If you. Beat QBR and QBR looked hopeless from the start of the season. You're thinking, well, five points yeah. through pa- past Birmingham. It's, it's looking like the flying. Because you, you feel as though the team's only going to get better as the season progresses. And um, that's the, the sickening thing about the QBR game, where you're right, Sunderland didn't play too badly. It could easily have gone there. If that first minute goal had gone in, it could be a completely yeah. different game. It could easily have gone there. Where, um, that's the sickening thing. But when I look back to the last season, look at the first three games of last season. And this, the third league game was the Crystal Palace game. Um, which, uh, again, uh, a London game that Sunderland lost against a team that we were fancied to beat. 
But it's chalk and cheese the performances there. I mean, they were abject against Crystal Palace. That was one where G. Yeah, Dream Dream Wickham. Wickham. yeah I remember it well. Yeah, G. Yeah. G it was on Sky, so everybody saw, everybody I, saw that. I one. saw that. I saw that in in real time, and it was one of those you think. No, I didn't. I didn't see that. You, you, put, you look at the replay. And go, I, I did see that. That's impossible. You, the strikers actually, moved, but but it was also one where John O'Shea was sent off, and there was shambolic throughout. Mm. And it was it was unraveling at that stage um, already for Di, for Di Canio. This is a completely different feel yeah. about this Sunderland. You do think it's only going to get better? Did it? I thought they did. I thought like Manchester United was one of those where we we sort of sat in, and individuals created. Um, the sparks, whereas I felt as though if we we were lacking individual. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S. based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Performances at the weekend, but as a team, were far more um, cohesive and we looked quite solid, but we just lacked that spark. Maybe like Johnson for the first half an hour was excellent. That was probably like one of the... One, like, since January when he had that spell the best spell of football I've seen him play he was brilliant he was just drifting about and you know possibly some of the passes the, and stuff possibly down to the arrival of Will Buckley maybe but he was he, you know he basically played he sort of played a free role at the first half uh, but I think that's a, I guess Wickham on the left might give you a little bit more fluidity I don't know like because when if he's going to drift in and stuff like that I don't know but yeah, Wickham's got to go back through the middle anyway. I mean, just going back to what Graham said there, where does this leave us at this stage, Jim? Because, you know, like rightly, Graham's just pointed out there that had we won this and everybody were looking to say, and this is a great start, let's be honest, five points progressed in the cup. Um, suddenly, people are sort of, sort of suggested it's a poor start because we lost a game. It was only one game. I guess it's hard to just think mm. about these things in a, in a, in a measured way, Luke, at times. Yeah, we couldn't even beat this awful Manchester United side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With their failing with their terrible manager yeah. and their failed three five unfashionable three five two from his mm. It's gone out yeah. of fashion as quickly as well. <laughs> it came into fashion for about ten ten weeks and mm. now it's gone again. Didn't take long it didn't take Harry long, did it? Yeah. I'll have none of that. Glenn Glen Glen redundant now, <laughs> yeah. 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 Find someone there. who plays four three three, bring them in instead. Yeah. <laughs> I know, exactly. As long as I keep the hands off Poyet. But I mean <laughs> You know, we we went on about the fixture list last year, and people say it doesn't matter, etc. But Tottenham at home next. Suddenly, you know, you don't win that one, and it's all about that momentum, isn't it? You, your players need that mentality. They need mm. they need a win, don't they? They need a win as soon as possible, really, in the league. But you, you look at um, the games against Pochettino's teams um, in recent times, and I, I well, we have we lost. Southampton since Pochettino's been no, in charge. No, no, it was the Canio's yeah. only point was at Southampton. Yeah, beat them in a cup Drew home in twice. Mind you, the Southampton games yeah, that's last season, somewhere played off the park a couple of times yeah, and sort of managed to get away with a point home mm. and away, you know. Um, but, you know, that I think people look at the QBR game and decide that it's an easy three points or whatever and then we lose and they get frustrated, which is not unfair. Um, and then 
so you by the same reckoning you can't go into the Tottenham game assuming that you're on a hide into nothing either. Um our games generally against top sides at home is you know, we're pretty good, so I'm I'm sort of quite you know I feel as though under Poyet we can get a result against most teams if, if everyone plays to their potential. And, yeah. and we've shown the end of last season now we can go anywhere and get points from teams. Yeah. Well, that's, you never know where you're yeah. going to pick up points too. Yeah. I, think, um, I think the frustration for uh, Poyet is that he made a point right at the end of the last season that he likes his players in early, if possibly he likes them in for pre-season so he can start blending them together so he has, you know, he's, he's, much a, he's not a tinker man but he's such a tactician he, wants to, he, he thinks of a, of a team as being a a gelling of players and of, of, of styles and moves, which is and a tactics, godsend when you, you know. think of some of the managers we've had previously. <laughs> so, <literally, laughs> to be well, well, that the, probably the best Sunderland team I saw was the 105 point team yeah. and the 90 point team, and that, that that team was like was like one person. It was 11 players playing like one person because the partnerships all over the pitch, the gelling of those players from Quinn Phillips to Sir Johnson and Gray on one wing and making and somebody on the other wing and, and your centre halves and your midfields was fantastic. And that's what he's after in this current Sunderland side. But he's been frustrated. There's been a bit of tension there between understand between him and and, and Lee Congerton in the sense obviously the pull is for Poyet to get the players in as soon as he mm. possibly can. And some of his comments this this summer kind of suggested his frustration. But what he but if you think, think about he helps it, Sunderland with these comments sometimes. Great well, for the media, mind. Well, <laughs> well, I think I think the thing is 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 it. Um, yeah, I, I think it is good. I think it's refreshing. It's good because I think sort of some some managers just will not tell you anything. And Poyet is one of those guys who doesn't want yeah, to you shout. Sun and board think about the same. He doesn't want. To, he doesn't want to shout at the odds. But the point is, is that you know it's his future here, um, and he wanted players in early, and he wanted his team in quick so he could work on them. That's how he's done it at Brighton previously. That's that's what he wants. It's what he's all about. Pre-season to him is such a key time, and he stressed it to us before the end of last season. Such a key time to get the players in early. So to a certain extent, I like the players he's brought in. I like Alvarez. I like Buckley. I like Robert. I, I like these players. But if he was in this podcast, Point would probably say. You know, um, it's a work in progress. You can't expect a gel in those first three weeks. And maybe the QPR game was an example of that, where they play well enough, but they didn't really have a plan B when it didn't quite work out for them. Well, well the invitation is there for Gus if he wants to come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. by the way. He listens, I know that yeah. much. Does he? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I was going to say, like, well, maybe he's pops it on while he's waiting for someone to <laughs> sign a deal. And he list, managed to get through well, about six or seven episodes. We've only ever been complimentary of Gus, to be fair, apart from the odd little defeat here and there, yeah. but generally. Um, no, he, I think it's right about he would have liked them in early, but there's obviously some sort of. I'm not saying there's an issue um, with the way we're trying to do things. Maybe it's an issue with the way all the clubs try and do stuff, and it has an impact um, on us because I'm sure there's other clubs out there who aren't willing to adhere to the rules mm. um, with regards to the financial fair play and stuff like that. I mean, you look at QBR. Who get what seventeen, eighteen thousand people in their ground? They've just come up. They went down with you know they had what do you call them Samba so, signed in for eleven million in the oh, yes, January the, the and he went Andy and he went got yeah Andy Macachkala yeah, I think yeah yeah but yeah just things like that you you know you look at QBR yesterday and they were like wanting to spend you know mm. they did just bring in ten million for Remy as well. They did, yeah, but you know how much of the, how much has gone out. I mean, how big's their squad? They must have about fifty well, people. Well, so I, I, I did find it amusing that Harry signed Nico Crankshaw again. So <laughs> it's like it's the love that'll never die. <laughs> yeah. And he tried fifty four, didn't he? Yeah. It is that's so. Oh, yeah. Sandro's a, like, on the subject. Sandro's a great signing. I mean, but it's a typical QPR, QPR Redknapp 
signing. Mm. Like, we didn't expect anything else, did we? No. Uh, I think Glenn Hoddle will be sitting there. I don't think he's going to take any notes of him whatsoever, is he? Mm. He's redundant now anyway, as we just said. <laughs> but, um, you know, th- this conversation is leading on towards transfers now and, and how we've done in, in the transfer market. I don't think we can avoid it, really. Um, <laughs> don't want to do it to death, really, because we are going to be doing the, the Son of Feminine at the live show later this week. And because we don't have a game to talk about, because that's a pretty much podcast, we're going to have to go transfer heavy in that one. But, um, you know, we, we can't ignore it. And I was toying with the idea of of speaking, of just avoiding talking about Fabio Barini. Um, yeah, well, I was going to avoid it at all costs, but I kind of feel it might be therapeutic if we kind of just <laughs> get it off our chest. Everybody says what they want to say, let it all pour out, and like a dark secret, we'll never speak of this again till January. Mm. Anybody got any strong feelings towards it? It's been an interesting, it's been a saga in inverted commas, Graham, hasn't it? I think it's been a, a farce more than a saga. I, I think um, it's, it's a huge disappointment. I think it's the biggest disappointment since the. Uh, the Robbie Keane, the first <laughs> Robbie Keane thing with uh, Peter Reeb. Uh, well, this, this is worse because he's been here and we've seen how good he's been. Here, it's, 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 it's worse because I was I was privy to the whole Robbie Keane thing and he was that close to coming. It was oh, a, did Rob- you get the, the email that went out? No one remembers the email that the club sent. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you they something. sent an email saying he was going to sign? Well, yeah, uh, all, we were in pre-season, it was in France. And all summer, um, Reedy was telling us off the record that He's coming, like he's coming, you know, and then sort of like every every sign he was getting was, was that this guy was coming. I know that he was due to sign, and Terry Venables went off and filmed something like he was Lee's manager at the time, went and filmed some, some sort of wish you were here holiday thing in Barbados and said, Oh, I'm pre contracted to do this, but he'll sign when he comes back. And it was literally they were waiting for Terry Venables to come back from this uh, Wish You Were Here program, and then in the middle of that, Tottenham came with their interest, and all it all went belly up. But it went all summer, and of course, by the time it was finally resolved, and you went to Spurs, some of them were high and dry, and, and it was you got your panic buys. Uh, that was a, a farce behind the scenes; it didn't really come out publicly at the time. But this has been a pursuit of a player. And this has been public this one as well. Yeah, very public, yeah. and a pursuit of a player who you're thinking, well, what, what is the problem here now? I remember when Sunderland went down and were looking to sell Thomas Sorensen, uh, and the, that was the one which looked odd because Sunderland wanted to sell him to Stoke, Stoke wanted him, and why wasn't he going? It dragged on for a long time. The reason why Thomas didn't go was his agent was trying to um, negotiate, I think it was a loyalty payment from Sunderland because Thomas hadn't asked for a transfer. And was that to Stoke when they were in the... Yeah, it was about, it was a half a million pound the agent was after. Um, it was a huge amount of money, and that's what stalled it over the over the summer. And I was wondering, well, maybe the Brainy thing is one of those where it's something because the messages coming from Gus were all positive. Um, even though Brendan Rodgers looked as though he was trying to push Brainy out of the door, even though someone had made this huge bid for him, you're thinking, what's the hold up? And I was thinking, if Gus is saying the things Gus is saying, perhaps it's because it's something that we don't know about behind the scenes yeah. has held it up. That's but been the implication. That's, that, yeah, and, and so that's kind of what you hope. Because Brini doesn't look too clever out of all this. It's, it looks as though Brini's just said, no, I don't want to go there. Mm. Um, and Gus has hoped that maybe it would happen. Um, but it hasn't happened, and it's, 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 it leaves a bit of a bad taste in the, in the, in the mouth, really. And I think that, I think that Fabio Brini will probably play very little football 
for the next three or four months, and maybe in the January transfer window, he might he might think differently. But in my view, and I could be wrong, down in my view, yeah. he didn't want to come, and Gus thought that he might still come. And mm. so, because and I know how much they think of Fabio Barini, I know how much they wanted him, and they, they love him as a player, they love him as a person. I think he's a fantastic professional, and I think all those things are probably true. But I think you know they pushed too long and too hard for Fabio and I think maybe Fabio was more receptive to the because in the end it was going to be a loan wasn't it because they kind of spent the money on Rodwell after, after the initial bid and yeah. he was apparently more receptive to a loan do you think but then for whatever reason we've ended up having to go for Quarters so that's ruled that option out well I think I think if they've got, if they've got any encouragement from Fabio Barini they've gone for Fabio Barini he was the one player that someone wanted probably wanted the most in this transfer window he was the guy that made 14 million quid you know, I mean, is he worth fourteen million quid? I don't. Uh, he scored ten goals last season, and but the thing that the goals were, and it, I'm going to sound as though I'm really critical of Fabio Barini here, but I actually really like Fabio Barini. But uh, the, he scored ten goals, and four of those were penalties. Do you know what I mean? Sort of. So for a player who's, you know, sort of, you're looking to spend fourteen million pounds for. I mean, I was, I was, I won't be hypocritical because I, I thought I, you know, I always said we were right to wait for it because he. He fit the system so well, but I didn't think we should wait until, you know, maybe as long as we did wait, Luke. But, I mean, talks now, apparently, you know, it's been in the press today that they were chasing Danny Welbeck mm. sort of unbelievably now when you think he's gone to Arsenal for 16 million quid. But, you know, there, there seems to be some truth in it. Yeah, well, he he, he sort of, he, he's someone who would play that, that forward left position as well. And he Welbeck has a lot of pace, which is one thing we're probably lacking so it, it certainly makes it a lot of sense. It would have been a better sign than Barini, for me. You really think so? Yeah. Mm, I, I don't know. I think Barini just... We were talking about it beforehand, actually, about Barini's movement. I yeah. I don't know if Welbeck is quite that sort of... But I think... I mean, I we were saying... Barini's, Barini's runs were so important last year because mm. we, don't, we didn't have a lot of creativity in the middle of the park. So it was important that when somebody like Johnson or Larson put sort of like... A hopeful punt into the box. Mm. Barini sort of saw that coming, and his runs—you know—he timed his runs perfectly. With Welbeck, I think that would have been less of an issue because I think he's just a more rounded footballer and, yeah. and, and a better player. So I don't—you know—I think he he would have more likely done some—you know—created something with the ball coming think, in from that position. I think you look at it as well, and the options we've got there now: Alvarez, Jagarini, Buckley, Johnson. Yeah, it's much better than last year. You know, do you need far better, isn't it? Do you need Barini? I mean, you'd want Barini. But I like do, you, do you need? I'll but do you need him? No, I think uh, probably not. I, I like Barini yeah. and I like Welbeck, and I'd love to have had either of them at the club. Either of them, and maybe sort of maybe Gus might have thought maybe switched from Barini to Welbeck earlier, mm. and maybe that, that might have paid dividends. But I do agree. I don't think you need him. Like Sunderland needed him last season. He was yeah. so crucial at such important junctures, Barini last season. Whereas you have got those game changes. At the club right now, I think. They need some goals, though, don't they? Yeah, I think you look at it as well. But Barini scored five goals from open play in all competitions, so same as Jack Barini. Um I'm not saying, I'm not trying to like downplay again Barini's contribution. Um, you know, Barini made some comments during last season, which indeed went to Sunderland fans, and I'm sure they were genuine. Um, and he scored goals against Newcastle. He scored goals um, in the cup final and the semi final. You know, he's. So he became a special player, and you know Sunderland have always had a bit of affinity with loan players. I think, like over the years, there's a, there is a connection there. I think because players come from supposedly bigger clubs, um, so where they're not playing, they come here. Obviously, a high caliber of player play every week, and the fans love them. And there's that there is that relationship, and invariably they improve. And 
you know, we don't get to have them back. I mean, do you think the fact that he was sort of making it obvious he wasn't keen on the move made some fans want him more, maybe? I don't know. I think Twitter's just <laughs> the problem, you know. Like, with things like this, it was just ridiculous, you know. I'm surprised Barini's still on Twitter. It was, yeah, and it was each other a, half as well. I think just it became, it becomes an obsession, you know, that, like, the transfer window now is just... It's a soap opera, it's, it's a reality television programme and you know the culmination of that was yesterday or September 1st if you're listening, not on <laughs> Tuesday mm-hmm. um, and it, you know, if you look at the perceptions of people's business is not based on three months, it's based on one day because it doesn't matter what you've signed before the transfer deadline day if you don't sign someone spectacular on transfer deadline day people go on like you've had the worst window ever I mean some Newcastle journalists who were going on like Newcastle of big players in the transfer market have made all these brilliant signings are going on now like they've had the worst window that they've ever had because they didn't because the Leb Benoff are going didn't sign anyone yesterday. It's stupid. You, you've got it's more than one day. It's a whole it's a whole process. We signed nine players over the course of three months. I do agree that it, uh, it is a soap opera, and uh, I, I mean I, I didn't miss that. Didn't miss that at all. The transfer deadline window, day, and I just think it's a bit. We, uh, journalists, I think, I think journalists are largely to blame sometimes for that, and particularly Sky journalists. It's yeah. it, it's, it's Sky's transfer window, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Sky owns the transfer window, sort of. And it's not, you know, it, it's but it's. I think because they've had success in the past, it's now reached such a stupid proportion. Yeah. There's such yes, a focus on some it. of the crowd in the background. I think it's ridiculous. And, <laughs> and, and might have jumped the shark that particular. <laughs> I think it definitely, <laughs> definitely is. Yeah, I mean, if you saw the yeah. Aston Villa thing, yeah. is that the report from Aston Villa? You know, there was a few, wasn't there? You've yeah. got to look back at that sort of stuff and, uh, and have a word with themselves. But I think that um, I think Fabio Barini. I think he'll always have. Let's let's put it to bed, I guess. But he'll always have a special place in Sunderland fans' hearts because he scored. Such iconic goals, yeah. you know, yeah. you know that 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 derby goal uh, yeah. at, at Sunderland, the, the, the volley late on, that was one of the best goals yeah. I've, I've seen, and, and hit it in a derby so dramatically, yeah. it was fantastic. And then the celebration after the penalty yeah. was I caught that those That's pictures, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. pictures and yeah. then with the, the yellow strip with his arms, yeah. and then yeah. the cup finally goes and puts that ball in, you know, yeah. to, you, know you know, it's just it was you know you know regardless of the of the, of the farce and the sadness of the kind of the transfer window and not coming. Um, if, and, and you never know. I think he's a player someone will go back in for. Um, he went back in for Buckley when he didn't get him. I think he might go back for Brini <laughs> oh, in the dawn. <laughs> he might go <laughs> back in from in, in January, and Brini might change his mind in, in January. But even if he doesn't come at all, he's uh, he's contributed to Sunderland's history in a yeah, big certainly way. Certainly has. Are we happy generally with with the transfer, Dalens and Gareth? I know you are, Luke. How how are you feeling generally? Could we have? I think we could have know, done s- with maybe s- another defender. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm a being selfish seeing another striker because I don't want to go all mm. Steve Bruce and say you know. You're only as good as your strikers I think because we, we just spoke about the options, attacking options. Do you not, we do do you not think there. the striker thing does well, go no, back a little what, bit the transfer deadline day thing of like? Well, oh, I did not. It didn't, have to, it didn't, have, to, it didn't or, have to come on transfer deadline day, but you know, we like you said, we've had three months to sort one out. Um, I guess it was li- less of an issue because, like we said, Stephen Fletcher looked good pre-season, but it's just there's always that sort of niggling thought at the back of your mind that if you don't have somebody to to regularly put the ball in the net. But you, I, you could you could have uh, some problems, but I, I, I but then I think I think this was always going to be a bit of a transition season, and I don't think we were ever it, we were never really going to push into those the top eight positions, and so we don't need sort of we it doesn't need to be the perfect squad yet. I think fundamentally we've got the players that we that we needed uh, that we needed in there. We we got the uh, centre half cover we needed. We got the uh, Rodwell in there. 
to to give us some extra something extra in midfield. Uh, Buckley gives us a, gives us something different on the wings, a more directness. And we've also uh, hopefully now we, in Alvarez we've got someone who can actually cr- create a lot more. Hopefully, well, um, I like to say Alvarez, he, Graham, he, he can go past the players, and that's not something we've had, we've had a lot of. We were just talking again off air, and we were saying Malbronk possibly the last person who could go past the player, and he didn't really have the pace to to accelerate accelerate himself away from defenders after that. So you know, this guy looks like he can do that. Yeah, I think this is going to be something that Sunderland fans are going to have to get used to a little bit. Um, Sunderland fans love goals. Love, love the partnerships up front from Quinn Phillips back in history. We're not going to have that kind of Quinn Phillips partnership. It's either going to be four five one or it's going to be four three three. So they're going to have to wean themselves off almost that's mm. the idea of the ball in the box and two men in the box feeding off it. Poyet's view is he wants ball playing, exciting passing of the ball and movement, and that's that's going to be based probably on the one striker for most of the season. So those five midfield players are going to be absolutely key. And I think he'll be very happy to have someone of Alvarez's character. I think he's going to be an exciting player. Again, the caveat, they've got to hit the ground running to a certain extent. Um, he won't get much of a settling in period. But having said that, from everything I've read about him and people have talked to me about him, he's a very exciting player. Yeah, he seems a bit of a, a Marmite one. Like when you speak, some people say, oh, you know, he was useless. Other people say, you know, he's really exciting. He might be one of those players who drifts, but he might just do something that we haven't got. In, in, at a moment and change a game or what I like about Poyet from what I've seen him is he, he works to a plan and, he, and and the best managers do I mean Peter Reid was a bit like that when he was early years where he was always, he was always trying to put a jigsaw together and makes me work and that's how Poyet is I, I, he won't have bought him because he's thought to himself oh, I've, I've missed out on someone He'll, he's, got, he's had his targets he'll have players who he feels will fit into a system um, and he'll have a role for Alvarez. It's, it's, uh, that'll be his frustration. He'll know exactly what he wants to do with these mm. players. He'll just be a bit frustrated. He didn't have an extra yeah. month or two to work on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we saw talking about you know players who can go past defenders. Gareth, we we saw the impact it had on the atmosphere against Man United because Buckley ran yeah. at defenders and beat defenders, and that's something I said I said last week. It's something that sort of covers all grounds. The you know the old school fans that Graham's just spoke about who. Historically, like you know, get the ball in the box, get it up forward. You know, those fans will be happy with a player who goes past people. Mm. The same as the new breed of fans who are content to see possession football. That's also going to get them off their feet if a player goes past yeah. a defender. You want to see, you know, a moment, explosive moments in games. You know, Sunderland aren't going to. You're not going to like. We're not going to win trophies. We're not going to compete at the top end of the table. But you know, when you go, you want to be entertained. So if if there's an opportunity, bring players in who can. You know, create that burst of excitement every now and then, like like Malbrank used to do when he used to meg people, or you know, do those brilliant recovery sliding tackles where he used to run in and scoop the ball away from him, and then he'd turn and be off. You know, Malbrank's probably my favourite Sunderland player of all time, probably. Of I just recent, thought he was, years, yeah, so. just he was such a pleasure to watch. As you know, f- from an entertainment perspective, he wasn't our best player, but f- from a from, from a fave like jo- Alan, Alan Johnston as well, you know, mm. both like those types of players are just fantastic to watch. There was a moment in the, uh, it, it was one of the Man United games at Old Trafford. Can't, I think, can't quite remember. Whether, I think it might have been the, uh, the, the cup, the cup tie, where Barini I think fired a bar, ball over the bar yeah. at the end of it. But Poyet, we were talking to Poyet about it, and he said, you know. Was twenty six moves, twenty six passes in that move, and he said if it had had it gone, yeah. had it when Barini hit the bar, wasn't yeah. it? He, yeah. said, he said had it yeah. dipped and gone in, that would have been one of the goals of the season. Now yeah. to Poyet, everyone's everyone's got a different way of 
of loving the game to Poyet that's Poyet's ideal yeah. 26 yeah. passes in a goal he that's his dream and that's yeah. what he's trying to cr- create in his inside control control and possession not giving it away passing it around sweetly and then at the end of it hopefully a goal now a lot of people don't like that a lot of people do like that immediate sort of like knee jerk ball forward quick and have a burst mm-hmm. of goal sort of stuff so that's what I'm saying it's not this was when Point first came to the club that's what one of the things that people were talking about for us was that he'll not play this kind of exciting immediate gratification ball the box football he prefers the patient build up and these players he's brought in uh, they can all handle the ball and all pass a ball we might have to it might not exactly rain efforts down on goal all the time but you can see what he's about and Al- Alvarez is a bit of a player like, see a bit like yeah. Malbrank in that sense let's just hope we don't go the same way as Wigan under Martinez then <laughs> <laughs> if you want to um, hear more about transfers we are going to do that later in the week of course on the, on the Sun FM in the light show as I've just mentioned I think we'll leave it there for this show though for the Wiseman say in association with I love Supreme I'd like to thank my guests for coming on Graham Anderson Luke Bowley and Gareth Barker as always not really a guest but you know what I mean thanks for listening over and out Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.